Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, continues in a series on the heroes of faith found in Hebrews 11. If you want to watch the video of this message or listen to this week's worship, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or you can find all of that and much more on our Brookwood app. We pray that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. Today we continue our survey of Hebrews 11 called Believing God. And I urge you and all of you at our online congregation as well to read this chapter and ask God's Spirit to show you which particular parts apply to you personally. Because you know, whether you're in this room or whether you're at home, What's important is not that you are able to stay awake throughout my entire message. What's more, and those of you at home laying on the sofa have an even harder time, but, but what's really important is that you have an experience with God's Spirit in His Word as we worship together in song, which I think, boy, we've been led so beautifully, but also in God's Word. So let's ask God to show us what he wants us to know as we continue this survey of this really important chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, in this series that I've entitled Believing God. Today's message, which focuses on a somewhat obscure man named Enoch, and this message is entitled Pathway of Faith. Our theme verse, if you've downloaded the resources, you have it, or if you're using your phone, you can find it online on our website. But our theme verse is from Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 5 today, and it's just part of that first verse 5. And it says, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. Surprising to anyone? Now, the Greek word taken up in English is a, um, or the word that's translated taken up comes from a Greek word metathesis, and which translated into English yields the word translate in the King James. So it's a little bit confusing. I said it's translated into translate. But in other translations, it's also translated into transfer. And what it means is to move from an earthly to a heavenly state, not just place, but state, without experiencing death. And the implication in the Greek is that the two locations are significantly different. Now, it's time for your quiz. The Bible mentions another person who never died. Who was it? And how was he taken up? Who believes it was the carriage? The carriage of fire. Y'all are scared to death, aren't you? (laughs) No, 
Read it closely. 2 Kings 2, 11. He's taken up in a whirlwind, but the horses and the flaming carriage divide Elijah and Elisha. But Elijah is not carried up in a flaming chariot, though paintings depict that. A whirlwind took him up. Why did God treat Elijah, but more specifically today, Enoch, in this special way? I think that the scripture gives us insight. So we're going to be not only dealing with Hebrews 11, but also Genesis chapter 5, which is where Enoch is discussed a little more. In Genesis chapter 5, at verse 23, it says that Enoch lived... Well, when, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. That's the background. And then after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. And he lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. I read a little more than you had on the screen, but Enoch walked with God. Well, what does it mean to walk with God? What do you think? Come on, y'all have to answer a little loudly. There's only a few of you here. In close fellowship, sure. He lived in, here's another phrase I'll use. He lived in continual relationship with God. Now, we considered Abel last week. Abel worshiped by faith. Enoch walked by faith. So, let's see what we can learn from him. Several things I think we can learn from these two passages. Walking with God includes first pleasing God by faith. Back to Hebrews 11. And we're at the latter part of verse 5. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. So he was a a person of faith. See, in order to please God, Enoch first had to be reconciled to God by faith. It's only through God's grant of forgiveness that Enoch, who was born in sin, not less than any of us, who was separated from God the same way as us, could return to him. Now again, we repeat this issue. What does faith mean? Well, faith doesn't just mean wishful thinking or what I hope for. We use faith in our culture like that. I have faith this will happen. It's okay for you to say that, But that's not a biblical or a theological use of the word faith. Faith always means believing God's promise toward you. In particular, believing 
He has forgiven your sin through Jesus Christ. That's the basis of faith. Now, you might pray for a lot of other things. You might have hope for other things. But we can only have faith in that which God has explicitly promised us. All of us have to be forgiven. All of us cleansed. All of us justified to please God. Hebrews 11.6 continues. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. Now, believing that God exists is not faith. It's actually the first step toward faith. And yet, again, in our culture, believing that God exists is almost understood to be the substance of the Christian faith. But it isn't at all. Believing that God exists, everyone really has eternity in their hearts. Ecclesiastes tells us, everyone knows God exists. Romans 1 says that creation gives testimony of the reality of God. So no one has an excuse for not believing. But this person that pleases God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now, this is the second step toward faith that motivates us to pursue God. When we, when we hear this phrase, reward, a lot of us immediately think about, oh, well, that's in heaven, and God's going to dole out some, some prizes of sorts that we can cast at his feet. But this belief in reward isn't merely just wanting some prize or some blessing at the end of life. Rather, the reward that God offers if we pursue him is the relationship. It's the possibility of communicating with him, of even having intimacy with him now in this life and this belief means that we're convinced that God is personal in other words that he possesses personality what do you mean you know God has a distinct nature yes each one of us has a distinct personality. How much more does God have a distinct personality? It also reveals that we believe that we know that he is aware of us. That he listens to us and responds. He actually dialogues with people. If God were merely some impersonal cosmic force or some distant but indifferent creator, then expending effort to communicate with him, having a desire to know him would be fruitless. It would be frustrating. In fact, it would be foolish. Now, walking with God pleases him. Because it reveals what we believe, what we actually know about him. 
We seek after him. We, we know he's all-powerful because we pray for him to intervene in things beyond our control. We know that he's all-knowing and all-wise because we, we ask for insight. We ask for wisdom about steps we should take or decisions. But perhaps more important, God is pleased when we walk with him. Because he knows us. He is interested in us. He cares about each of you and about me. And he always wants what is best for us, which may not be always what we think we want, right? But God is pleased by our pursuit of him to know him better to know him more intimately it's like this aren't you pleased when an old friend calls who is who's pleased with an old that's a pursuit of sorts isn't it those of you if you can remember back to the days of your budding romance Weren't you pleased that you were being pursued just because it showed that this person has an interest, has a desire to know you more, more deeply? I see smiles all around the room. I watched you, you too. What about, you know, when the grandchild reaches for you? Y'all know I have a new one less than a year old, and right now I figure that I'm probably no more than fourth or fifth on his list. But even so, <laughs> he, he can't even walk, but he will let me know that he would rather have his mother, his father, or my wife, Lily, than me. But I still like it when he'll reach up to me. Now, maybe nobody else is in the room. <laughs> but it, you see what I'm saying? You, you know this feeling, don't you? Well, so does God have that feeling when we reach to him. When you could be watching another Netflix show or you could be playing some game or you could be doing an infinite number of time-wasting measures and instead we seek God. It pleases him. Colossians 1, look at this. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Have you come to that place that you know God better? You just sort of understand him. You, you're beginning to, to know what he wants, what his heart feels toward. Are you reaching that place where God doesn't feel like a stranger, but rather when you go in prayer, you feel like you're approaching an old friend that you have comfort with? Do you want to please God with your life? Do you? 
Well, what do your efforts today to please God reveal about what you believe about Him? Walking with God also includes pursuing God's path. Back to Genesis 5. And at verse 21. Some of this is as a repeat. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Now the word fellowship comes from a Greek word, koinonia. And it can be translated communion, partnership, communication, companionship, or sharer. But again, walking implies a continuous, ongoing action. Sharing in life together continually. Not on rare occasion. Not on Sundays, either in this building or online. Not an occasional prayer lasting a few minutes. Rather, it's remaining in the presence of someone. For 300 years, Enoch had this fellowship, this companionship, this friendship with a personal, knowable, merciful, forgiving, and caring God. And it's clear that Enoch enjoyed walking with God. How do I know that? Y'all know I don't ask any real puzzling questions. How do I know it? Because he did it for 300 years. So the relationship was rewarding. It was encouraging. It was real. You know, I've been reading about how this quarantine is causing marriages to dissolve. Have y'all read that? So once these people were put in each other's proximity for prolonged time, they decided they didn't want any more of it. So something was vitally flawed in the communication, wasn't it? You know, people say, I married the wrong person. I doubt we usually marry the wrong person. I think it's more true we usually are the wrong person. And we don't follow God which brings both people together when both are following God. Because two people are by definition different, even selfish. So it's when we step out of that. So I've been not only surprised, but disappointed to see that when people are brought in proximity, they end up separating. But Enoch walked with God for 300 years. And as we're seeing, some, some of these marriages haven't even been very long-lasting. But a relationship with anyone, and particularly with God, for 300 years couldn't happen if the parties were always in conflict. So walking with God requires agreement about direction. It's necessary to have, have harmony of attitude. 
about subjects. Amos 3.3, interesting verse. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? See, when we walk with God, who charts the course? Yeah, God charts it. And so we pursue his path. Because here's the thing. We may have a lot of ideas that differ with God's, but is God going to change his mind? He's already determined what is right, what is wrong, what is truth, what is false. And so we have to align ourselves with him. He won't redefine moral or immoral character to to get along with us. I was reading another news report and a a young pop singer who I I believe has a genuine faith but not necessarily a biblically conformed faith yet was asked about some issues. He spoke about sex and about abortion and on sex which, which this reporter thought this was a very conservative view said you should only have sex with someone you really love and I said well you missed that one someone you've married and committed to for life and then he talked about the, the importance of the preborn child as well which was right on but God's not changing his opinions. God's view of morality is not in flux. So he does love us, but we have to accommodate to him and walk his path. If we want to continue walking with God, we must be led by his word and by his spirit. The Bible is God's revelation to us, but the Spirit teaches us and reminds us and illuminates certain passage to us. And at certain times applies His truth specifically, sometimes painfully, is that right? To our lives. It's personally, particularly. Now the New Testament refers to our continual relationship with God as walking in the spirit in the King James, but also the New American Standard. But I also like the way that the New International Version expresses it like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Walking with God becomes more and more pleasurable as we remove doubt and disobedience from our lives. Because you see, when we're we're harboring disobedience in ourselves, it actually causes us to keep God at a distance. It's almost like we think if we get too close, if we spend too much time, He's going to spot what we're hiding. But in reality, he's already spotted it. And by faith, he's already forgiven it. But now's the point where we step away from the disobedience if we want to walk with him. Because walking with God means surrendering ourselves to his direction. 
And it does mean abandoning sin, but it also means putting off selfish motivations as well as worldly pursuits. I mean, are, are we really motivated to get more of this world and give God just a little bit on the backside? I mean, God bless, has blessed us all immeasurably. And he provides all that we need. But that, those things aren't to be the focus of our lives. Christ and his kingdom must be the focus of our lives. And as we keep in step with the Spirit, as we walk along, we become transformed. See, you know, if you just sit on a stool and say, I want to be transformed, it doesn't seem to happen, does it? But as we keep in step with the Spirit, as we walk along, we're transformed into new people as our thinking is changed. Romans 12, 2. As we become more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29. And Jesus was completely one with the Father. There, was, there were no distinctions. There, were, there was no conflict between the two of them. John 17, 21. And so as we walk in the Spirit, our natures become more like His. And the harmony that we have with God grows. And so we live in continual awareness of the Spirit's presence. Can you detect the Spirit's presence? Let me see some hands if you feel like you can detect the Spirit's presence. And I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. But keep pursuing you say, God, you've got to show me. I'm, I'm, boy, I'm, I'm in the remedial class here. I need some help. But I want to know your presence. I want to be able to discern it. And I want to know your direction. And will you reveal to me your truth? Because, boy, I've grown up with my own truth, haven't I? And sometimes it's hard to even spot where we have a truth that isn't God's. And sometimes we need him to show us. But we keep in step with the Spirit. And we do it by putting each decision and each temptation and each desire before him. How many times do we jump into a response without saying, okay, God, what would you have for me to do here? Are we asking for his direction and the power to follow it? And, and this, this is not reluctant submission. It's not digging your heels and God's dragging you. This is, this is active obedience. Walking with God requires coming by faith. But it also means continuing to have faith. You know, this week I was kind of complaining to God. Do y'all ever do that? And um, I was saying, God, where are you? 
you know, we, we've got all this illness. People are out of work. Some people have their livelihoods threatened. Why don't you do something? Why don't you show up? And, and we've, got, we've got racial division. We have extreme political division in this country. Why don't you intervene? I, I, I don't see you doing anything. And I just heard three words back. And I don't claim to hear God clearly always, but sometimes he gets clear. And he said, well, I haven't changed. And it kind of brought tears to my eyes, but also it meant to me, I haven't moved. Have you? And I realized that my relationship with him has not changed, even in the midst of all this upheaval, threatening circumstances. And yet I was letting outward circumstances cultural occurrences affect me emotionally instead of letting God's spirit control me emotionally. Now, walking with God was not easy for Enoch because according to Jude 14 and 15, he lived in a time when there were were many false teachers. And Enoch confronted this false teaching which likely resulted in opposition and persecution. But he continued to pursue God's path despite difficulty. Right now, in this time of chaos, of threat, of conflict, are you pursuing God's path? Well, I don't know what it is. Are you pursuing trying to find it out? And are you experiencing resistance? Sometimes people around us don't really want us pursuing God's path. Walking with God also includes our presence in God's kingdom. Back to Hebrews 11. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. After 300 years of believing and walking with God so closely for so long, somehow Enoch walked straight into heaven without dying. Now, this is what I think. Everybody knows what to do when I say I think, right? You can consider it, you can pray about it, but you, you're, this is what I think. It's not clearly a biblical teaching, but, but I think it's implied in the scripture that heaven is a present, parallel, but unseen dimension. We know it's not over behind some cloud somewhere, right? It can't possibly be that. So I think it's right here. So God is always close. By faith, Enoch was translated. He entered into the actual spiritual presence of God. So so if, if you just consider my view, he stepped into that realm where heaven was visible and all that takes place there. 
Scripture doesn't give us detail about how this translation occurs. But we know from what it does say is that he received a spiritual body. 1 Corinthians 15, 44. I don't know if we look exactly like we do now, but remember Moses and Elijah were recognizable on the Mount of Olives. You know, and if, if it's our same bodies, I'm saying, God, give, give me back when I had all my hair at least. Don't freeze me in my 60s. You know, some of you may say, get me back before I added a, a little padding for the winter. He received a heavenly body. 2 Corinthians 5, 3 says explicitly, we are not spirits without bodies. He received a glorious body like Jesus's. Philippians 3, 21. And then you can read all of 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians 5 about that. But we don't know why God waited 300 years, do we? Perhaps God was allowing him to preach to those false teachers and to the unbelievers in his generation. Perhaps God was just giving him enough time to carry out that assignment. Here's another thing I believe. I believe if God has given you a purpose that you are seeking to fulfill, you cannot die. Does that sound crazy? David Hardy, his eyes started spinning around. He said, I don't know about that. I said, no, think about it. If God has given you a calling, a specific task, a purpose, and you are pursuing it, I don't think you can die until you complete it. It might be, another thought is that God just loved him and God said, okay, I know you're exhausted, you've been attacked, you've been resisted, you've been persecuted, so I'm going to spare you further mistreatment and I'm going to take you. But quite possibly, quite possibly, it was just a special blessing God gave to one who pleased him. You say, well, he lived 300 years. Yeah, but Methuselah lived, what, over 900? So he had a shortened lifespan during that time period. And God removed the separation which exists between him and a person he loves. Look at this, Psalms 116. The Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. Another translation that I like is precious in the sight of the Lord is the passing of his saints. God loves his people. His people are precious to him. He has, he, he enjoys the relationship. He has great a, affection for every one of his children and if we're born again we're, we already live in God's kingdom see we've already been changed dramatically from ordinary humans living on earth 
so that we're already in contact in relationship with God. His spirit resides with us. So it's like all of us already have one foot in heaven now at least. And as we grow closer, it's almost like we're moving more into heaven and being less rooted on earth. You understand what I'm saying here? Philippians 3.20 But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. See, we already share in the nature of God. We have already escaped domination, control by sin and corruption. 2 Peter 1.4 And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises that we believe by faith. And these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruptions caused by human desires. Have you noticed that when you're walking closer to God, you just don't have the same appetites that you had before? Is that true? We, we don't need as much of the stuff this world has to offer because we're finding this satisfaction, this fulfillment in the Spirit. And then the stuff of the world, it just looks shallow. Like my, my mother had a word, that's shoddy <laughs> by, by comparison. As we reside in this world, but we, we live as citizens of heaven, as we walk with God, we become more conformed to Jesus Christ. And so we fit in less and less in this world. Have you noticed you just don't fit in too well anymore? Anybody notice that? Let me see some hands. I want to see how many of y'all don't fit in. That's what ought to happen. And we think, well, they don't like me anymore. Or I, I, can't, I can't fit in with these people that, that, that look like me or that are from my background. Or for, no, you don't belong to them. You belong to God. We belong together as God's people and our identity. And God will one day take each one of us, either through death, which means we slip from this world into the next without losing consciousness. Because, see, our spirits don't die. Or perhaps, like Enoch, we become glorified without our bodies even dying. And I close with 2 Corinthians 5. We are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies. For then we'll be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. And that's where we started. Do you want to walk the pathway of faith? Do you want to please God with every step? Father, I pray you would guide us. I pray that we would not live so connected to our environment and concerned about circumstances, but that we would walk in the Spirit, that we would reside in heaven as we continue to minister on earth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. Email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326 so that you can get in contact with our Connections team. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. We are so thankful that you listened today. We pray you have a great week.